What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Hidden Falls Media Experience episode. Today, I am joined by the storyteller, the hypnotic body language expert, Holly Mignosi. But before we get into today's episode, I want to remind you of the fee. We don't run ads. I don't pitch you anything you don't need on the show. We don't try to sell you some BS course or anything like that. What we do, though, is we do bring you the best and most highly skilled technical experts in their field so we can help you elevate your life, elevate your business, and just live a better life. Who doesn't want that, right? So if you found a nugget of wisdom, you gained any level of insight, and I know today you are going to gain so, so much from this, please go drop us a review on Apple iTunes. It not only helps us get ranked, but it helps our amazing, incredible guests who graciously give us a few moments of their life to help bring, bring them more awareness, bring them more attention, and help support them on their journey too. Really means a lot to us. Today though, like I said, I am joined by Holly, and we are going to get into some amazing things Ollie, welcome aboard. I'm so happy to have you here. Hi, Alex. I'm so excited to be here to share some fun stuff today. Yeah. So the main reason that we wanted to talk today was to talk about body language, to talk about being a better storyteller. Where can people find out more about you and your mission and your motives before we hop into the nitty gritty of, you know, the psychology and the body language stuff? Yeah, thank you for asking, Alex. You know, you can find me, first of all, on Facebook under Holly Mignosi, and I'm highly active inside my Facebook group, which is Shine On Stage, Shine On Stage. So I help experts who really want to steal the show and shine on stage, learn hypnotic body language, as well as hypnotic storytelling techniques. So awesome, awesome. Guys, you need to go follow that and get inside that group. You mentioned hypnotic body language and hypnotic storytelling. What in the world? How do, how do we start to deconstruct this kind of out of the box <laughs> thinking? Is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when I say hypnotic, what I don't mean is the type of hypnosis where you're getting sleepy, you know, you're falling asleep and your eyes are closing. Actually, I mean the complete opposite of that. The type of hypnotic where you are so fascinated so captivated by someone, something they're doing or saying or sharing that you block out everything else and you mm. are solely focused on them and what they're doing or sharing. I love it. We talked uh, in a previous episode really deeply about narrative transportation. And it sounds a lot like what that is, is very similar, right? Yes. How, how do we totally get you enthralled inside of a story so you could have a 500 pound elephant walk past you and you would never notice. That's right. That's right. That's right. And there's things we can do with our storytelling that go really well with body language to help enhance that. Let's get into the body language side of it, if you don't yeah. mind. So let's let's start to break some of that down. Yeah, well, body language is really good for everybody in every situation. You can use it for mating, dating, relating, business, pleasure. I mean, we're always communicating with not just our words, but really over 50% with our hand gestures, microfacial expressions, posture, and even the emotions that our mirror neurons are generating in our brain that are kind of on a a vibrational level, really communicating to the other person what we're thinking and feeling. And if we can deconstruct some of these things and start to look for patterns and understand what the patterns mean, then we can communicate better ourselves as well as interpret what somebody else is communicating to us. 
Mm, that's, oh man, this is going to be powerful stuff. I can already feel it. <laughs> so before we got launched, you were talking about that you wanted to do a fun interactive quiz with our audience that we can really launch into. And that's totally unique. I would love if we could get into that. All right, let's start with that. I love it. So this is testing our body language IQ. And if you're listening and you're hearing these questions, it's all going to be multiple choice, so it'll be pretty easy. But you may want to be thinking, okay, how would I answer that question? And then you can test your own intuitiveness on how you read body language. All right, so here is our first question. I got five questions for you, Alex. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. All right, so we're going to start basic and get a little more advanced. First question. Who is better at reading body language, men or women? My guess would be women. Ding, ding, ding. You are correct. The correct answer is women. There was an interesting study done where they took two groups of people, all men on one side, all women on the other, and connected them to the various electrodes that were reading their brain as they were asked to deconstruct and decode body language. Mm. And what they found, interesting enough, is that the men's brain were lighting up in about eight different areas, whereas a woman's brain showed activity in as many as 15. So she was literally processing twice as much of the gross or large body movements as well as the micro movements. Mm. So women are much more intuitive or perceptive, however you want to deconstruct that, they're actually picking up on twice as many micro movements as men might be. Interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. So number two, okay. In a group of people talking, let's just say in a networking event, right? There's a little circle of people talking. Let's say there's about five people. What body part points to the alpha of the group? And this is going to be multiple choice, okay? Okay. So is it the eyes? So everyone's eyes are pointing mm -hmm. right at the alpha. Is it the heart or is it the feet? And when I say alpha, I mean the person that's mainly leading the conversation or the flow of the group. Is it the eyes, the heart, or the feet? My intuition says heart, but my brain says feet. Ah, ding, 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 you're right. You're good, Alex. <laughs> It's the feet. So yeah. why is that? Studies show that we are a little more aware of our facial expressions or maybe our hand movements, but we're actually not as aware of our feet. So when we are focused on someone at a more unconscious level, both feet will be pointing at that person. Now, what's interesting, like how you can actually use this in your daily life, is if you're speaking to someone and you're wondering if you have their attention, just very casually glance down. And if both feet are pointed right at you, you have their attention. And it's just like that old phrase that we've heard, like, you know, give it to me square or square off with me, right? You're yeah. squaring your body, both, both feet pointing to that person. Now, if you notice that one foot is pointing at you and the other one is pointed away, that means one of two things. That means that something in the other direction has their attention. And maybe they do want to be focused on you, but maybe there's just something over there that they're looking at, or they actually really want out of the conversation. 
And they're trying to figure out a way to exit. So my recommendation for that, if you happen to notice that, and this is a great tip for guys, right? If you're talking to a woman and you don't quite know if she's into you or, you know, do I have her attention? Look down at her feet. If they're both pointed at you, great. If one's pointed away, just be conscious and ask her about it. Hey, I kind of noticed your attention might be in that other direction. Is there something you need to take care of? Or perhaps we could continue this conversation at a later date. And she will appreciate your mm-hmm. intuitiveness, your understanding, because oftentimes it's hard for women to say what they're thinking or feeling because they're, they're too nice. They, don't, they just don't want to hurt someone's feeling. So just be real honest about it. Yeah. Are you guys taking notes on this? I mean, come on, for real. This is like, <laughs> where else are you going to get this type of information? You just, you just saved so many people today. All right. I'm pumped. We're probably, relationships, probably two right questions then. I know. I know. All right. Number three, in a conversation, what does the leader or the alpha influence? So there's a multiple choice. The topic of the conversation, the pace of the conversation, and when it ends, when to laugh, or all the above. All the above. Yes. Ding, ding, ding. You got it. The alpha influences all the above. So this goes back to our caveman days where we learned that there's safety in numbers. Mm. And if we can be accepted into a group, if we can be like the group, then we have more safety. Someone literally is watching our back. Like if you're in a circle talking, the person across from you is watching your back. So it's, we found unconsciously that it's really important to follow whoever is in the lead. And we do this by matching and mirroring their body language their topics of the conversation, and even tiny things like when to laugh. If they laugh, you laugh. Or even sometimes I'll notice, if any of you are podcast hosts, notice this. If you're on Zoom and you're doing an interview, watch if you move your hair or if you just take a drink and watch if the other person does the same thing, you are leading and guiding the conversation. It's really really fun to do. So it's fun to test too. Yeah. You know, that touches on so many things in here too, Holly. It touches on mirror neurons like you were just yeah. saying, right? And that unconscious processing that happens because the biggest fear that we have as humans is not being accepted into our group because it was automatic death, right? If we got kicked out of our tribe and pushed out, you know, that was automatic or certain death for us or the unlikelihood that we got adopted into another culture, we were then the outsider. And now we have to figure out how to rework our entire cultural structure that we have. And that's super hard. We're breaking habits and not just Absolutely. one habit, right? We all know how hard it is to break one habit, let alone a string and a sequence of habits, which is how habits stack, right? Yeah. So we have to uncouple all of those and try to reform them all back together again. So that makes a, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, so the, the just matching and mirroring is the easiest yeah. way. And, and I'm sure if you've done any studying on rapport, that's usually where we start is just to match and mirror the body language. But it's fun to do in a conversation, like if you're networking, to check and see if you are the leader. Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, not just notice like, okay, who is the leader here? Hey, whatever if it's me, let me just kind of move my hair or kind of laugh and see how many people follow me. And then you can start to calibrate your own leadership skills. Mm. Yeah, very cool. Okay, here we go. Number four, which of the following statements is true? A woman can have varying degrees of alphaism in different situations or... An alpha female is the alpha 
all the time. I would say they're transient. You're right. Ding, ding, ding. You're so good, Alex. Hey, that's <laughs> so like far, a science degree better coming good somewhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Women tend to be more varying mm. in their mood, in their energy level, and in their alphaism as well. So sometimes what we see is a woman who is the leader at work. She's in corporate. She's in command. She comes home and she just wants to kick off her shoes and like... Her husband says, okay, where do you want to go to dinner? And that will piss her off because she will be like, I don't want to make a decision. You make the decision. (laughs) And he'll be like, but I just want you to decide. So I know for sure I'm making the right one. No, 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 honey. You just decide. So if you've got that kind of woman, then yes, it is transient. You are correct. One of the, you know, speaking on that topic, one of the things that I've really notice and something that uh, Megan and I incorporated into our relationship was instead of just saying, I don't care, uh, taking that time, because that's such a reflexive response. And what we found is that it felt like to one another that we really didn't care about the situation as a whole, as opposed to just, I really don't have a preference. Right. And even that, that small verbiage change of, Hey, like I've made so many decisions today. I'm cognitively tapped out. Correct. And just changing that language and making sure that it's still on the same page so that we're not coming across as, hey, I don't care about the situation. I do. I want us to have a nice meal together, but I don't care about the input that's received. Or, hey, giving you all the control over this situation, and I would appreciate if you took the lead. Yeah, I I love that. Or actually, what I really care about is you making the decision, right? Yeah. 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 I love that you two implemented that transformational vocabulary that's very keen on both of your parts, for sure. Yeah. All right. So here's our last one. This is one of my favorite questions. Okay. Um, Does the modern alpha, the modern leader, Mm -hmm. embrace their faults or hide them? Ooh. I would say they, I want to say they embrace them. I, I, I want to be, I want to be the hopeful romantic that they embrace it. Ding, ding, ding. Alex, five for five. You Let's got go. it, man. That's, I know, I know. I need another five questions here. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It's actually called the pratfall effect. Mm. So there was an interesting study done where they took two actresses and they had them demonstrate like a juicer. Mm. and they did it in front of an audience. And one of the actresses was instructed to do everything picture perfect. Like, don't make a mistake, say everything right, exactly on script. The other actress, they said, yeah, spill the juice, mix the wrong stuff, you know, say the wrong thing, and just be lighthearted about it, admit it, and move on. And then they polled both audiences and asked, who would you buy the product from and why? And they actually found that the majority of the audience said they would buy the product from the woman who made mistakes because she was more real. Mm. She was more honest. And they felt that there was a higher level of trust. So what's interesting is, especially if you're an online marketer or course creator, we're always talking about that no like, and trust factor. And then at the same time, you know, there's this like, well, I got to show up and be just perfect. I need to show the highest level of my expertise or my lighting or whatever it is. And people actually like it. If you're just a little bit more, you know, I'm not perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And I admit my stuff. And what it comes back to is we feel that if someone is more conscientious and forgiving of their own faults, 
they'll be forgiving of our faults. Mm. So it's like projection almost. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's so, so good. That's so it is. good. So, it's so great because, you know, if you're doing your Facebook live and you make a mistake or the, the camera falls over or, you know, the dog walks in the back or, you know, starts licking its butt or whatever. It's just like those crazy things that happen. And you're like, oh, no, go with it and just acknowledge it. Be lighthearted about it. And I think you'll find that people will trust you. And again, it's kind of interesting called the pratfall effect. That's really cool. I'm going to have to look into that one. Yeah, yeah. So it certainly has given me because I'm a kind of a recovering perfectionist. Um, I grew oh, well, up in the. You phrase that I'm a recovering perfectionist. Uh, and it still creeps up for sure. So my early years were in the modeling and acting industry, mm. where you could not be sure. imperfect at all. And people were very quick to point out, you know, oh, you're too tall, you're too short, you're too fat, you're too skinny, you're too blonde, you're too dark, you're, you're whatever. And I was always trying to achieve this level of perfectionism just to get, you know, love, connection, um, sure. positivity, validation, or even just a job, you know? So it's taken me a little while to unwind and unravel all that. So I hope this is good news for some of you out there. What got you into learning about body language and storytelling? Mm. You know, the honest answer to that is my deepest, darkest moment. Mm. Can we go into that? Yeah, absolutely. I'm an open book. Um, in my early 20s, I was in the modeling and acting industry and I was doing what I loved. I was doing fashion shows and emceeing fashion shows by day. And then at night, I was a modeling and acting coach. And I got to help people of all ages who wanted to break in the, into the industry. And so it was like, oh my gosh, I'm in my early twenties and I've arrived at success, right? I'm doing what I love. I'm helping people. And I was making good money. And it was like, this is the perfect life until the day that everything came to a screeching halt. And my boss, John called all of us runway coaches into the room and announced that he was taking the company global. And he wanted us to look like celebrity models and actors. And I knew at that moment I was in trouble because I don't look like a celebrity model or actor. Celebrity models and actors, you know, the models are 5'9", five, 5'10", five, I'm only 5'8". And they're very slender in their physicality. And I'm very curvy and, you know, more athletically built, I guess you could say. Then he asked for each of us to get on the runway and he publicly measured our bust, waist, and hips in front of each other. And I was in management. So some of these people in the room were my employees. Sure. And I just knew I was in trouble. So he called the first model up and measured her. And he said, perfect. And I knew he would. Called the second model up and said, perfect. And I knew he would. And then he called me. And I went up on the runway and I kind of exhaled all my air, trying to get every ounce of my body to be somehow thinner. And he measured my bust and my waist, which was fine. But when he got to my hips, they were not one, not two, not three, but four inches too big. So for you and me right now, that may not seem like much, but in the industry, it's everything. And he looked at my hips, turned to everybody else and said, if any of you have this problem, fix it or you're fired. And I was wow. humiliated publicly in front of my peers, my coworkers. And I vowed at that moment to never, ever, ever let that pain ever come to me again. And I was on 
like just a, a mad dash to figure out how can I lose this weight? Now, keep in mind, I was a size four. I was very small, even though I was five, eight. And I started dieting, exercising, and taking every pill, powder, and shake on the market, guaranteed to help you lose weight or your money back, but nothing worked until a woman gave me a little bag of white powder. Mm. And it was cocaine. And she said, try this. And I was like, well, I've tried everything else. Why not? And I did it. And surprising, Alex, it worked within weeks, you know. I was walking down the hallway in my new sleek physique and getting compliments from my coworkers and accolades from my boss. I even got a raise, started making more money, got a promotion. On the outside, it looked like I had everything together. But on the inside, I was dying. I had headaches, heart palpitations, sleepless nights. I was sweating. I, and and the, I knew I was a fraud. Like I knew if I ever quit, that all the weight would come back. So I was using drugs for over 10 years. And really until it got life-threateningly dangerous. I met someone, got married, got pregnant. I was able to quit while I was pregnant. But by the time she was three years old, you know, there was problems in the marriage. And that old frenemy of cocaine came back into my life. And then he and I started using simultaneously together. So here I are with this three-year-old and I'm being someone I never thought I would be, you know, here I am using drugs. And I came in one day and we were out all night because you're, you tend to not sleep when you use cocaine. And our daughter was staying with our nanny and I walked in the door and our little blue eyed, blonde haired ball of sunshine looked up at me and said, you know, mommy play with me. And my husband looked at me and went, I'm going to bed. And so he went to bed. And so I sat down and played with her and I got really thirsty. So I went to the kitchen, got something to drink, came back and she was gone. Went to her bedroom. She wasn't there. Went to the bathroom. She wasn't there either. And I looked down the hallway and you know that feeling when you just know something's wrong. Mm -hmm. My bedroom door was open a few inches. And as I slowly opened the med my bedroom door, there she was sitting on the floor and her little pink tutu with the flowers on it, holding my drugs in her hands. And I was terrified oh, that she had a heart dropped. Heart dropped to my stomach. I was so afraid that she had ingested something. Mm. I rushed to her, checked her mouth. I had gotten there just in time, grabbed the drugs, threw them away. And then I got what I call a divine download because it didn't come from me. It was like these series of questions. What if you didn't get there in time? What if she did ingest something? What if you had to call police? What if they called CPS because you're both using? What if they took her away from you? And then the final question was like, I saw my future. What if she never knew you, went into foster care, but she was just like you? And I couldn't stand the answers to those questions. So in that moment, I decided I needed to quit three things, drugs, my marriage, because we we're both using, and my job. I had no idea how I was going to do it. I mean, just doing quitting one of those things would push someone into yeah, like a total stress tailspin. But I did all three because I knew it was to save her life mm -hmm. and mine. So in that moment, you know, when, when you need to get to the next level and you need what I call a mindset shift, you need mentorship. And I was so embarrassed. I didn't want anyone to know that I was using, but I knew I needed to get healthy because the cravings, like I quit cold turkey, Alex, like yeah. I just quit. 
and the cravings during detox were horrendous. So I thought, okay, I need help. So I hired a personal trainer. I hired Tom, the trainer, and he was 6'2", Italian, muscles had muscles. Hey, baby. Super, yeah, exactly, Ooh. right? I was highly motivated to go to every single workout. <laughs> I didn't miss a single one. And, but it was a total life change for me because he gave me a complete mental shift from compliments for being skinny to compliments for being strong. Mm. Compliments from not eating to compliments for eating the right thing. And within four months of knowing each other, he said, I think you're pretty good at this workout thing. You should be a personal trainer. I said, you're right. So we opened up our own fitness business together. Opened up Beyond Fitness Personal Training in San Diego. It literally saved my life. And I was so excited because now it was like, okay, I quit the industry. And now I can really focus on being physically healthy and helping women. But I had a new problem, Alex. The new problem was I was embarrassed because I was in the health and fitness industry. I didn't want anyone to know mm. that just a few months prior, I was a druggie. I felt like a fraud again. But a little bit of my story seeped out. I shared it with one of my clients. And she made these fascinating connections. She said, oh, I get it. You're not addicted to food, but you are addicted to drugs and addiction's addiction. That's why you have so much compassion for people like me. And I was like, huh, I never thought of that. And you know that story that facts tell, but stories sell? Mm -hmm. So she went and told my story to all of her friends, everyone at her church. And the next thing we knew, our business doubled. Wow. Like a new flood of incredible heart-centered, mission-driven people that I didn't have to hide who I was. Mm. And that's the moment I knew the power of storytelling. And I was like, wow, okay, I need to study storytelling. And I started to feel a shift, you know, this divine guidance to actually get out and start taking the stage again, but not as a model or an actor, actually as a speaker. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna go study speaking. I'm gonna go study storytelling. And as I started studying it, I started watching other speakers and I think just naturally from being in the modeling and acting industry, you're always adjusting your physicality on stage. Mm. So I had naturally been primed for decades to pay attention to physicality on stage. And so I was watching the speakers and I thought, oh man, if they would just, you know, open up their body language, or if they would just move over to the audience a little closer, or if they would just hold eye contact a little bit longer while making that really important point, they could connect more deeply with the audience. And I just found that I had a natural kind of awareness of body language and that it was really needed. I saw speakers that had fantastic content, but their body language was pushing people away. I actually saw a speaker once who was on stage inviting people to work with her but she was showing the stop movement with her hand. Mm. It, and when she could have been doing this, right, come with me. Um, yes, come, yes, making this motion of we're all together or moving her hands in a circle from the audience to her, she was actually telling them to stop. And I felt so horrible for her. Very few people enrolled. And I thought, you know, I could really help her. And that's when I discovered, okay, really what I'm geared towards, what you know, I'm guided to is to helping experts on stage so they can align their story with their physical communication and really captivate the audience. I love it. And 
I, you are an amazing storyteller as I was going through and just kind of, you know, cause I've gone through Toastmasters. I've read a lot about, you know, storytelling from being in the marketing side, your use of sensation, right? You used all five senses of what you were telling in your story, right? The way that you brought people through different emotions yeah. and the way that you leaned into the story and then pulled back different tonalities, right? Different volume levels. It, it tells a lot and it shows that, you know, it, it's not just blowing smoke up people, right? And for those of you that are listening, please, please, please hop into the Facebook group where this video is going to be live and check this out because you need to see the body language. You need to see what Holly was doing in order to really get it. I mean, that story all in itself, Holly, is so powerful. Thank you. Just in audio format and the, the amount of strength and courage that that takes to move through that experience and to change your life like that is so powerful and so inspiring. I just encourage my audience to just hop into the Fixture Marketing Group and just watch this video because it's going to change everything of how you approach storytelling, how you approach body language. And if you're not connected to Holly yet, that story, you better go follow her right now. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. It, well, everyone has a story, absolutely. you know? I mean, I thank you for the compliments, but we all have a story. We all have some struggle that we went through. And I truly believe that your strength is revealed in your struggle. And when we don't share our struggles because of shame, guilt, vulnerability, you know, we're too afraid. We think, we actually think that if we share our struggles that we're going to lose credibility. But when you learn how to do it the right way and really marry credibility with vulnerability, it's this beautiful combination of what we call authentic, right? And you hear that word all the time online, like be authentic. Well, what does that mean? How do you do that? So yeah, it's, we all have a story. So thank you for the compliment. And, you know, I turn it back to everybody else. You have a story. Absolutely. And hitting that one-two punch of empathy and authority to create authenticity is such a powerful message. And it's, they're two incredibly powerful emotions to hold at the same time. Mm. A lot of times I feel like that, uh, you know, especially with marketers, because I train a lot of them and I train a lot of copywriters. They're like, well, what's the one emotion that we want them to feel? It's like, yeah, we want them to feel an emotion, but understand we're complex beings. Mm. So when we can hold multiple emotions at the same time, and that's real life, right? We, we can be sad and happy at the same time. One of my mentors uh, Ed Milet was talking about how his father had recently passed and he, he was able to hold this idea of, um, you know, happiness and ease off of his mind while being able to hold the fact that he was, you know, upset and grieving that his father had died, but being able to hold those dualities at the same time and recognize that it's just part of the complete human experience of, I know my dad's with that higher power. I know that he's with you know, people that love and surround him and his angels that supported him throughout his journey with cancer, but he's also able to grieve that process at the same time. So I love the idea yeah. that you're holding both of these emotions as you're driving through this story because it's truly authentic and it's real life. Yeah, absolutely. And if anyone's ever been in love, yeah. right, you can feel <laughs> total attraction and totally scared to death at the yeah. same time. This fear at the same time that you're attracted and potentially repelled, like, ooh, if I go any deeper, I'm gonna be putting myself, you know, yeah. in a vulnerable I'll spot for rejection. A little bit. Yeah, but yeah. if you know body language, you'll be able to tell like little signs of attraction. Like you and I were talking about, like when a woman licks her lips unconsciously, you know, and she's talking to you, she's feeling attracted. And like you were talking about, you know, if a guy puts his hands in his 
in his pockets and points everything kind of uh, to his male genitalia, you know, he's kind of showing that alpha posture. So there's all these little things that you can pick up on that can make it easier. What are some of the other ones that people might not be aware of? Mm, we just okay. did two of them. So we did one for yeah. male and female. What are a few others? Yeah. So my, one of my favorite ones, can I start with my favorite? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, you just did it. Mirroring? Mm, not quite. I don't know. Maybe I did it too. Maybe you're mirroring. <laughs> it's actually raising your eyebrows. The unconscious hello is what it's called. Mm. When, and so you just did yep. it again. <laughs> the unconscious hello. And it's so fun to play. I'm going to give everyone a tip on how you can play with the unconscious hello and calibrate how let's see how open people are to you okay so the unconscious hello is when you see someone and their eyebrows raise just a little bit like hey you know you just yeah you just kind of give them like eyebrows up and the reason why we do that is when we see someone or something that we find pleasing we want to open our eyes to bring more of it in mm. right that's why just like if we see something that we're unsure of or we don't want we close our eyes or we cover our eyes or we squint Okay. So what I like to do is I like to go to the grocery store and yeah, when I'm going down the aisles, right. Cause you're kind of passing people, yeah. you're facing them and you're maybe six feet or a little bit further away. And sometimes people will make eye contact with you. And even if you're wearing a mask, right. So this is relevant for now. Even if you're wearing a mask, you can still see if someone is open to you by watching their eyebrows go up. So what I like to do is go, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna intentionally turn myself on. What I mean by that is turn on my charisma and rapport skills, mm. right? Go into the grocery store and count how many eyebrow raises I can get. Right. And then you'll know, okay, today I'm at a, I'm calibrating higher or I'm high, calibrating lower. Now, where else can you do this? You can do it at work right? You can do it at a party. You can do it at a bar. I mean, you can really do it anywhere where there's people, even on Zoom right now. Like, okay, do you want to hear this information? And you were like, yeah. And the yeah. eyebrows went up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The only time that you could get a false read is if she uses Botox. All right. Oh. You may, <laughs> you oh, may not. Yeah. Again. yeah. You know, I'm just putting it all out there. Right. If she's using Botox on the eyebrows, or on the eyes, you may not quite get as significant of a read, but you can still watch for it. It will be there. And that's when we start to look for other signs and we look for clusters. So a cluster is when you'll have three or more micro movements or micro expressions that all communicate the, th the same thing, then you can be pretty sure that, okay, yeah, you know, that's what they're communicating. One of the things that you brought up is that charisma is a skill. Mm. That, that's really, a, it, it really ties into the philosophy that I have running within our group and our inside of our community is that uh, everything is figure outable. Right. There's not anything really around us unless you're doing like string theory, physics or anything super crazy and out there that's not figure outable because somebody's walked down that path before. And I truly believe that it's almost like we're playing a video game and the sense of the more we practice the skill, the better we get. And then it raises our level. And then we kind of fit into these categories of human beings based mm. off of the skill sets that we acquired throughout our life and that we were told we're good at. Yes. So, it, it was really interesting to kind of get that feedback from you that charisma really is a skill that anybody can pick up and learn, just like body awareness, spatial awareness, 
Uh, I love watching MMA fighters. And like you were saying, people that are inside of martial arts, how they move their body and how spatially aware they are. And not just of themselves, but of other people too, and in their environments. It's just, mm. I, I find it just so fascinating. But once again, it's a skill that was learned and developed and cultured more than it was just, hey, they instantly got the download that they need to be doing this. And some people do it naturally. It is is true that you can do it somewhat naturally. And the first step that I like to suggest is to turn on your sensory acuity and just be an observer. Mm. Be a really good observer and choose one thing to notice, like just pick one thing a day. So for example, today or tomorrow, you might choose to be more aware of the unconscious hello. Count how many you get, right? Then you can start to notice the real or positive smile, like the real smile versus the fake smile. Yeah. A real smile happens in the eyes and you can see it even if you can't see the mouth because the cheeks, the muscles go up. The fake smile happens only in the mouth. And we see that a lot on like our Facebook page or when people are doing photo shoots, they're going, eh, I'm kind of uncomfortable, but I'm smiling. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Or I'm doing that selfie with my lips sticking out, you know, and it's not real. Mm -hmm. So you can just choose one thing per day to master and be a great observer. And that's one of the best ways to get good at this. That's awesome. Polly, I know we're running out of time and I want to be super respectful of that. Where can my audience learn more about you and your mission and your content and all the awesome gems that you dropped today? Yeah, thank you so much. Well, I have a free gift I'd love to share if that's okay. Yeah, yeah. For all of you who want to start mastering one body language cue per day, I have a fun little list. It's called the Hot 15. It's the hottest 15 hand gestures that you can use to add sizzle to your communication style. And it works on live stages, on virtual stages, person to person, personal life, mating, dating, relating business across all platforms. And you can get that at my name, which is Holly Mignosi, H-O-L-L-E-Y-M-I-G-N-O-S-I dot uh, com forward slash hot 15. Oh, I'm going to be downloading that and I'll make sure I put the link inside That'd of our show notes too. For everybody. Holly, thank you so much for being on today. I really appreciated your time. And this was absolute, just straight fire and an electric conversation. Thank you so much. Uh, well, thank you, Alex. And you're so good. It's such a great host. You're so easy to talk to and charismatic yourself. And thank you for all the amazing content that you're putting out. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Guys, like I said at the beginning, you found a nugget of wisdom. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Make sure you go give Holly a follow. Make sure you join inside of her Facebook group as well. So if you found a nugget of wisdom, go hit it up. And as always, our call to action to you is go make somebody smile. It's amazing what type of impact it can have on their life.